Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, scumbags. This is the Scummy Mummies podcast. With your hosts, Ellie Gibson and Helen Thorne. Hello and welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. It's me, Helen Thorne. And it's me, Ellie Gibson. Ellie, I'm so thrilled because we've got one of our favourite guests back on the sofa, back within the bosom of Scummy Mummies. It is the delightful, the wonderful, the ever-inspiring Rosamond Dean. Oh, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. Thank oh. you. Well, thanks for coming because last time we had you on, it was to talk about your book about mindful drinking. Yes. Uh, which obviously is a subject very close to my heart. But you've done another book, Rosamond. I What's am. that about? So this one is about breast cancer. Oh, jolly. Is jolly. 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 Yeah. It's full of laughs. Chicklet. Yeah. It's full yeah. of lols. It's a graphic novel. Um, <laughs> one for kids. Um. So it's called Reconstruction, How to Rebuild Your Body, Mind and Life After a Breast Cancer Diagnosis. And I wrote it after my own experience of going through breast cancer diagnosis and treatment and out the other side. So I am now cancer free. Oh, Hooray! congratulations. I feel like, aren't you supposed to ring a bell or something? Have we got a bell? Should we go? Yeah, I've, got a, I've got a bell pepper. Yeah. We could <laughs> knock it with a spoon or something. Yes, I think that know. would be nice. That would be fitting with your whole new well, 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 wellness. Uh, <laughs> your new your new healthy life post-cancer. Um, I'm always hitting peppers with spoons. Oh, <laughs> can't move for peppers at Rosamond's house. <laughs> but um, it, it, it's, been a, it's been a recent journey, this whole thing, because what you found out about the cancer early 20. 21 was yes it? you found a lump in at christmas time jolly yes oh, happy christmas and that was 2020 and i i've you know i've been reading your book this week and you went through cancer during the pandemic yes which oh, is fucking yeah. fucked mm. and really i mean cancer is hard I mean, it's not great stop. at the best of times no yeah. exactly right but this was an extra element of fuckery yeah and it was that it was that lockdown in january february in winter 2021 where it was I think it was the third national it was the lockdown. Worst. It was the it worst. Was the worst. Everyone was sad. I mean, the novelty, any novelty had completely worn off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God knows what it's like for people who are actually working in the hospitals, of course, and all that. Like, absolutely yeah. just horrendous all round. And yeah. Then, and along comes some cancer just to make it extra nice for you. <laughs> exactly. Well, the first lockdown, I remember people hadn't really got the hang of homeschooling and it just, and it, the weather was nice. The weather just, was gorgeous. We were just kind of hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously trying to do our full-time jobs at the same time, but yeah. there was an element yeah. of it felt like just all hanging out. Whereas in that lockdown, it was like full-on homeschooling, uh, uh, every, but everything was shut and the weather was bleak and oh, it was just so depressing. Yeah, mm. a grim time. I know what would make that better: cancer. <laughs> yes, please. 
So oh, you, you found the, the lump. I also found a lump uh, this year, which turned out to be nothing. But um, what went through your mind when you found that lump? Um, to be honest, all that went through my mind was, I guess this is what happens after you've turned 40. I had just right. turned 40 and I thought this is probably one of those hormonal things. Mm. Like a, I obviously Googled it right away, breast, yeah. breast lump. And it said almost all breast lumps are hormonal or they're cysts and it's mm. almost always nothing to worry about. And I completely assumed it was that. I didn't Oh, have... so you were able to go down that route of that's yeah. I was not well. I'm not normally a catastrophizer. I'm normally very kind of rationable ration rationable. <laughs> rational I've always sensible. said that about you, Rosamond. <laughs> She's so rational. rational. <laughs> yeah, rational yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, I didn't think it was anything to worry about. And even when I went to the doctor and she referred me to the breast clinic and I said to Jonathan, still, I still don't think it's anything to worry about. And I went in there and had the mammogram and they said, you need an ultrasound, said the ultrasound. And then they said, we're going to do a biopsy. And um, I remember sitting in the waiting room Googling how many breast biopsies turn out to be cancer. And it was still hardly any. It was still really? quite a low yeah. percentage. Mm. And I was like, this is fine. And I texted Jonathan apologising for taking longer than I thought I was going to. But I was really like, this is fine. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think for a second it was going to be cancer. Mm. I was like, I don't have cancer. I feel fine. Yeah. I'm completely healthy. I just thought of people with cancer as being kind of ill and, you know, fragile. Mm. And, you know, thin and weak and just ill. That was, yeah, I, guess, yeah. I guess, how people with cancer are portrayed in films. Yeah, like, yeah obviously, yeah, obviously yeah, I had yeah. no clue. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I had no symptoms other than, than the lump. Mm. So, so then when you got the diagnosis, was that, I mean, that must have been a massive shock. Yeah, it was. It was a massive shock. And I feel like, looking back, because I, I actually, I handled it really well. I was like, okay, this is happening. This is the treatment. This is what we need to do. I kind of called around everyone. I was all very practical and matter-of-fact about it. Mm. And looking back, I think... I was just in shock because yeah. I, I didn't really have a meltdown about it until much, much later. Probably, um, well, I was going to say towards the end of treatment, but actually about halfway through treatment, I, I definitely, yeah. that was when the meltdown started, I think. Yeah. Uh, I went into it with quite a positive, optimistic. Quite practical. Because I've got this theory that we've talked about before that there's there's two kinds of people when crisis happens, right? There's, and this is based, sort of based, sort of on a thing Brené Brown said, but I've obviously stolen it I mean developed it into my own thing I think there's clipboard people and there's duvet people so some people when there's a disaster they're like right get my clipboard and they're assigning tasks and they're going these are the 10 things we're going to do and this is the order we're going to do them at 11.05 we're going to have some radiotherapy and then by 14.69 we'll be cured you know and like you know the duvet people are like I'm just going to get under the duvet and pull the duvet up and hope it's not it's not happening yeah I, I feel like Everyone I know naturally falls into it. And I don't think one's better than the other because, no. you know, the, the duvet people are just avoiding the shit that they have to deal with eventually. But the clipboard people eventually burn out because mm. they're not really dealing with the mental shit that's yeah. going on. They're avoiding it in a different way. Right, exactly. Really. Because yeah. that's definitely me. I'm definitely a clipboard person. Yeah. And I, I was like, this is how we're dealing with all the practical elements of this. And I think in kind of focusing on all of those mm. stops you focusing on how shit you feel about it yeah maybe you need to have a few days under the duvet before you can well, I was maybe say, that would, would be you the do ideal. it differently knowing kind of what you know now um i would definitely do lots of things differently i don't think i could really change my personality and <laughs> and approach it yeah. differently i mean there are lots of things along the way that 
I wish I'd known about sooner. Like, that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, because yeah. there are just... So it was only when I'd kind of met the, the cancer community through through in my case it's through social media because of because we were in the pandemic so they didn't have the in-person support groups and all those you know meetups at the maggie center in macmillan all the, all those organizations which hold those amazing groups none of those were happening because everything was online yeah so it was through instagram that i met people who were going through the same thing or had been through the same thing and they would say to me oh have you tried have you tried this have you done that have you tried blah 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 and that advice I definitely wish I'd known about sooner. Right. So the more anecdotal stuff, if you like, of people actually going for it rather than the doctor, like the leaflets and the textbooks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly, because the doctors... T- I, I, at the beginning, thought I didn't need any additional information. The doctor would tell me what I need to do. Anything yeah. else is just superfluous. It's unnecessary for me to know. I just want to focus on what my doctor says. And... um and then it was only while going through it that I realised there's a lot of stuff the doctor just doesn't talk to you about because it's, mm. just, it's just not really there. What sort of stuff? So, for instance, um, if you have... Ke- not everybody who has breast cancer has chemotherapy, but if you do, then obviously there are lots of side effects of chemo that are very uncomfortable and very um, quite soul-destroying the physical... Um, side effects in terms of hair loss because you don't just lose the hair in your head it's also your eyebrows and eyelashes um and just the way you look just totally changes because you're on steroids as well Mm. so you kind of like go all puffy and shiny so you've got no hair you're all puffy and shiny and um you feel awful as well just you feel sick all the time and Mm. just so exhausted the fatigue is insane Mm. it's like early stages of pregnancy like times 100 where you're like I just want to I'm just going to lie on the sofa for five minutes and next thing you know it's the next day it's you know so how did you get through all that what were the things that helped you get through that um so there there were oh my goodness there are so so many it's like a million little things rather than like one magic bullet thing um in terms of chemotherapy one thing that I wish I'd known is that you don't have to take all the drugs so I don't mean the chemo drugs. Obviously, you have to take all of those. Yes. Those, those, those are important. <laughs> take all of the chemo. I mean the drugs around the chemo. So they send you home with bags of drugs, of anti-sickness pills, um, laxatives, because anti-sickness pills cause constipation, steroids, but then also sleeping pills, because the steroids cause insomnia. Um, and they also give you these injections, like inject yourself in the tummy to boost your neutrophil count because your neutrophils, that's your white blood cells, your immune cells. Mm-hmm. They have to be at a certain level in order for you to be able to have chemo, for your body to tolerate it. So they give you those injections to kind of boost your immune cells. So you, all these drugs around it, I didn't, nobody had kind of said to me, oh, you know, if you, um, if you, if you make this, ginger drink and cut these things and don't try don't try and force down your coffee because it's what you've always had then you might not feel as sick Mm. and then maybe you can reduce the anti-sickness pills and then you know if you if you go for a walk and eat more veg then you can reduce the laxatives and you can actually the steroids actually they give them to you every time you go but actually the steroids are to reduce the risk of an allergic reaction and once you've had a few cycles of chemo that risk reduces anyway so you can also reduce the steroids after a certain amount of time uh you can do there are lots of sleep hygiene things you can do obviously to improve your sleep um and reduce the sleeping pills and there are so many things you can do to boost your immunity rather than 
injecting yourself in the stomach. But they... Obviously, all of those things and lifestyle steps, it's a bigger conversation and it takes time. And not every patient wants that information. Some patients are like, just give me the drugs. Mm. Whereas some patients are like, I just feel like a, this is how I felt. I yeah. just felt like a, a medical waste disposal unit. I was just having so many drugs. Mm. And I was like, I, what is going on in my body right now? I, just, I don't even know. Mm. Um so yeah, there was a, a lot that I wish I'd known around chemo. Mm. Um, and then also in radiotherapy, uh, the I didn't realise one of the moisturisers I was using, I didn't, I didn't know this until I interviewed a radiotherapy expert for the book, mm. contains zinc, which is very, very common in moisturisers, that lots of brands use it as a stabiliser, which is metal. So you should not put that on before you go to radiotherapy because it's like hell. metal. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I know. Wow. What does that? What happens then? So it it like it basically attracts more of the radiotherapy mm. rays. It's like putting a set pair of scissors in a microwave. Yeah, exactly. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Oh god. Crazy. And oh, it's such a lot. Such mm. a lot. It's such a lot. And then with surgery, for mastectomy surgery, and I had all my lymph nodes removed as well. And um, I, nobody mentioned lymphedema to me, which is um, a condition that you can get when you have all the lymph nodes removed from under your arm or from anywhere in your body. And it, the lymph nodes help, the to- help eliminate the toxins from whichever limb they're attached to. Yeah. And um, once you've had more removed, then any kind of infection in that hand, so if you get a cut or a bite or anything that is any element of infection, it can just make your whole arm swell up massively and it's really painful. And once you've got lymphedema, it's like irreversible. So it's quite a serious thing and nobody nobody tells you about this like until it happens. (sighs) Did it happen to you? Um, It did, but luckily only very, very mildly. And I have been able to manage it with uh, exercise and... um, like lymphatic massage and wearing this like lymph- this very sexy lymphedema kind of glove. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, there were so many things along the way. So that was one of the things that I wanted to do with the book. And the other thing was help people after treatment. Yeah. I, it really kind of knocked me flat. The I didn't realise how hard it was going to be at the end of treatment. That was almost yeah. like almost the most difficult bit in a way because that I think definitely is as a clipboard person myself is I've experienced is when you're going through the actual trauma you've got all these things to focus on you've got to fix the problem fix the problem fix the problem. and then when the problem is fixed then you sort of collapse don't you because then all that work you haven't done with your brain and all that is that is that how you found it yeah absolutely yeah absolutely I think it's partly that I think it's three things it's partly that that you haven't dealt with the kind of emotional trauma yeah. of the whole thing um, so it hits you at the end. It's also um, the fact that when you're in treatment, you're doing something and you're like, oh, and like this treatment is horrible, but it's getting rid of the cancer and it, you feel like you're taking positive steps. Whereas at the end of treatment, they just kind of say, okay, you need to be wary of uh, recurrence now. These are the things to look out for. Be careful. See you later. Mm. And you're kind of not doing anything. You're just kind of waiting to see if it comes back. So that I find that really, really hard. And um, and the third thing is that cancer treatment, breast cancer treatment, almost always not not if if you're very young, this doesn't always happen. But if you're sort of forty or over, or or in your thirties, probably quite often, it will put you into early menopause, and all the symptoms of menopause would, are a lot. 
There they're, are a lot. They're, they're a lot. Numerous, aren't they? And, and 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 everyone gets a mix. It's like pick and mix. Sometimes you get more of that sweetie. Sometimes you get none of those sweeties. Like you, it's just you never know what you're going to get. That's that's a very generous analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweets are kind of a nice thing to have. Uh, yeah, sort of like the, a shit pick and mix. I was of... say, it's more like a Glastonbury toilet. Yeah. <laughs> you just know, don't know what kind of shit. What is in there? Is there a sanitary towel? Rummaging around. Yeah. You pluck something out. Could be runny. Could be solid. Uh, <laughs> Be someone's sunglasses. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I'm not, not coming back to um, I guess the different elements or de- stages. I guess that you 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 went through. So you went through the shock. Um, could you could you tell us about telling your children? Because I'm mm. sure listeners out there, or, or even indeed telling friends, because I think we're all going to have cancer in our lives, whether we experience ourselves or support our loved ones. Yeah. So what was that? What were the sort of initial stages um, like? Sort Because of, it's exhausting telling people shit news, as we've yeah. all experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and you, it's hard because then you're, you're almost a sponge for their reactions. Yeah. And you feel like that's an extra layer to carry. Yeah. Maybe it was, maybe it was almost good in a way mm. that it was the pandemic so I couldn't see anyone so I could only tell people on the phone yeah so maybe that had the benefit of uh you know me not having to because you do hear people saying when they get a cancer diagnosis they tell people about their cancer diagnosis and then they find themselves comforting the person they yeah. they've told yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> so um, are you okay yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, I I basically after the diagnosis, I remember I went to oh really bleak January uh, afternoon. I just walked around the park and I called my mum, my, my dad, my sister, my um, like closest friends, and just kind of told them all one by one. So I sort of did I kind of blitzed it. So I did it all at yeah. once. My, what was your prognosis at this point? Was this like were they like were they confident they can cure it or was this like yeah well. So when you first get diagnosed, then they 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 all they know is there is cancer in the breast. Yeah. Then they they have to do further tests, so the MRI and CT and bone scans to check that it hasn't spread elsewhere in the body. And they hadn't done those yet with me, so they didn't know for sure what my prognosis was. But because I went into it with my uh, weird optimistic naivety, I was like, "This is going to be fine." Mm. So I kind of didn't even entertain the idea that it wouldn't be fine. Mm. So everyone I called, I just said, got some news that sounds bad, but it's going to be fine. And mm. just told them in a very matter-of-fact way. And yeah. I suppose the worst one was my mum, because she lives on her own in Scotland. So she was so far away. Yeah. And I know not far away compared to Australia, but... It's not a competition, but I, 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 I do win. Yeah. It, takes, <laughs> it takes as long to get there. Yeah, it's really very, very yeah. far. And are, it yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I've... I actually called a friend of hers first and oh. said, would you pop round for like a doorstep? Uh, you know, really te- kind. Technically weren't meant to pop round to people's houses, but just for she like a doorstep. She was just walking past. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so that she would have someone to talk to. Mm. kind of Because I hated the thought of just calling her, telling her I had cancer and then hanging up and her just being on her own in her home, yeah. not able to see anyone. Mm. Um so yeah, but she was she's very kind of practical as well. Yeah. And, uh, as soon as we were allowed to travel again, which I think was April, I think it was Yeah, it was a good was four April? months, wasn't it? It was yeah. hardcore, yeah. Then yeah, then I was straight off to Scotland and to yeah. see her, so that was nice. Um yeah. but yeah, with the kids, mm. we just decided to be very 
kind of matter of fact because they were um so now they're six and nearly nine so at the time they were three and six and they were um we (laughs) i had done some googling the best way to talk to kids about cancer diagnosis in the two weeks between them saying uh it's probably cancer but we need to wait for the biopsy results to confirm it and then getting the biopsy results that confirmed it so there were two weeks where i was kind of thinking oh it might be cancer maybe i should uh, be thinking about how i handle this so i had done some googling and most places said just be really matter of fact and honest with the kids so um so that was the that was the plan and also because it was lockdown, we were all four of us were in the house all the time. So we couldn't, and obviously we were talking about it a lot and there were appointments and mm. there was things going on. And I thought if we tried to hide it from them at all, they would yeah. know there was something going on and they wouldn't know what it was, but they would know it was bad. And, and I just didn't want there to be any kind of secrecy. Mm. So we were just very matter of fact. Yeah. And, and also because my aunt had died of cancer, she had died of ovarian cancer just the year before, and they knew about that. Well, my, my son is a bit older, so he definitely knew about that, and I just didn't want them to think that my situation yeah. was going to be like mm-hmm. that at all. So we were really, really clear that, you know, there are lots of different types of cancer. My one is having treatment to cure it. Yeah. yeah. So... And you had a was a triple negative diagnosis. Yes, because you in your book you exactly. sort of say all the different sort of results and 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 did you say the doctor wasn't very he was he wasn't, he wasn't very good basically <laughs> he was very blunt and just sort of, oh yeah that, that's what you've got and so yeah. you had to do more you spent a lot of time on Google by the sounds of things wasn't been in the last couple of years but um but yeah so that was um so you weren't like a like a deep stage but you it's um it's a bit slightly more tricksier is that yes right? yeah. yeah so it's yeah it's kind of difficult to explain triple negative without explaining the other three types of breast cancer which mm. are the two types of hormone receptor positive estrogen positive progesterone positive and then there's her two which is human epidermal growth factor uh positive so those are the three main types of breast cancer that if you get those there are certain targeted treatments Mm. you can have that target those properties of them triple negative is just as it sounds doesn't have those three things so it's a type of breast cancer that's characterized by what it isn't so traditionally it's been less well understood and it's been less the prognosis has been worse because it doesn't have Mm. as many treatments so when the doctor said he said it's triple negative and i obviously was clueless and I said, what, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And he was like, well, it's not really good or bad. It's just a type of breast cancer. And I was like, okay. Obviously, went home and Googled it. Like, what did he think I was going to do? Obviously, yeah, I went yeah, home and Googled yeah. it. And it was, the internet's full of bad news about triple negative breast cancer. But it's because things are changing so fast. Treatments are improving all the time. And actually, one oncologist said to me, my diagnosis 10 years ago would have been a death sentence. Wow. So it, it's incredible, the advances they've made. And yeah. it's why Google is so, so bad, because you can yeah. easily yeah. stumble across really, really depressing Well, if stories. you've read something from 10 years ago, which you can do on the internet very easily, then yeah, you probably yeah. Yeah. fuck. But yeah. even and just a few years ago, so even since my diagnosis, treatments have improved for triple negative breast cancer. There's a new drug that wasn't available when I was treated that is available now, which means somebody diagnosed today with my same diagnosis from two years ago has uh, 40% less risk of recurrence because of the new drugs. Amazing. So, yeah, it's just it's getting better all the time. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm. Mm. I wanted to go back to the thing about telling people and, and people's reactions. <laughs> like, is there... Let, what I'm saying is let's make, let's make it about me, as I often do. I've, my, my friend Alice, who I've known since I was 11, is, is going through breast cancer now. Um, and, you know, it's I sometimes don't know what to say to her. I try and check with her, in with her and ask her how she's doing, but I don't know, annoy her. And then, like, what can you say? You know, I do know, know her very well, actually, but I think almost also sometimes it's hard. We've got another friend who I haven't seen for years or used to work with, and he's got cancer, and our friend was saying, I don't know what to say to him. I don't know. Do mm-hmm. I get in touch with him? What do I say? Is there a good and a bad thing <laughs> to say <laughs> with, to people with cancer? I, well, having spoken to lots of people with breast cancer that there are certain things that I know tend to annoy people Mm. personally for me personally I think everybody means well and especially if it's a friend of yours then you know they're it's coming from a good place yeah Yeah, yeah. exactly exactly Mm. and people don't know what to say and yeah. And they, to, to want to be to actually want to be rude to a person with cancer, you'd have to be an absolute asshole. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, yeah. you're probably not friends. You probably haven't got any friends. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So I, I I am quite relaxed about that. I don't mind uh, anything that people say, really. But what's the worst thing anyone said to you? <laughs> I liked when you said in the, the book when someone said, oh, you get a free boob job. Uh, fuck off. Yes. Fuck me. <laughs> yes. Or don't worry, your hair will grow back. That yeah. Was, I mean, things like that. I, I, I thought that was a really, you know, I mean, it's grim, but it's it's good to hear that because people think, oh, yeah, oh, no, look at the bright side. You'll get perky tits. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm going through cats. I'm going through <laughs> treatment. I have to have my boobs lopped off. Don't, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, luckily, nobody ever said that boob job line to me. Yes. But look. They, people have so many people mm. told me that they've had it said to them. And it's absolutely mental, especially if you have one mastectomy. Mm. Like your your boot is it not? 
No, no, no. They were definitely better before. No boob jokes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and the hair, yeah, the hair thing is just very, oh, it's just so, so depressing losing your hair. Mm. And I know different things are important to different people. And I do actually have a friend who didn't, she didn't, I, I wore the cold cap during chemotherapy to try and keep, to try and retain some of my hair. She didn't at all. She just shaved it off right away. But she was really worried about her nails and I, her fingernails getting damaged. So um, it's interesting how different things are important mm. to different people. But for me personally, oh, the hair was just the worst. And that, it will grow back. Yeah. It was kind of, it's, it's uh, like, obviously the person saying it is trying to be kind and reassuring. So I totally get it. But it just feels like they're kind of minimising Mm. Well, because you already feel like you're being kind of vain and silly for being worried about your hair when you're lucky enough to be having life-saving cancer treatment. And so, I, yeah, I found that quite hard. It's like, obviously, I know hair grows back. Like, I know how hair works. Yeah. But I, I'm still finding this really, yeah. really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were some good things or helpful things people say to you? Sometimes I say to my friend Alice, I don't know what to say. I haven't got anything to say. I know there's nothing I can say that can make this better and I sometimes don't know if that's a helpful thing to say (laughs) or not but I just think it's better than nothing I don't know yeah no I think it is helpful and I think also the I think the most helpful things really are listening Mm. like without trying to fix anything because I think women are much better at that just to be just to make a massive generalization please do it's very welcome (laughs) on this podcast (laughs) I do find men are more likely to kind of listen to you and then go why don't you try doing blah 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 you yeah. try, well why don't you find out about why don't you ask so why haven't you done this why haven't you yeah. done this and then somehow it's your fault that yeah. the problem isn't already fixed yeah. yeah it's like oh I'm tired why don't you go to bed early tonight well yeah, yeah but I just like just need to be able to complain about things mm. and so I think it's listening without kind of jumping on it and trying to do something about it just kind of sitting there and being like that is really really shit yeah, yeah. sorry you're going through it yeah don't send me a newspaper article about eating 49 <laughs> mangoes and then that will cure you of your... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I would say listening without uh, prejudice, as George Michael would say. Uh, no, listening without trying to fix things. And um, the other thing, it's more like acts rather than things that you say. I was, I was really, really moved during cancer treatment by people, my neighbours would leave, like... A meal on the doorstep. Yeah. It was just so, so kind. Yeah. We would have left so many meals. And friends that live further away would send, like, cook vouchers. Mm. And that, like, practical things like that are so lovely. And so th- those were the things that meant the most, I think. Yeah. Because they get... And, and people make me say... First time I went to see Alice, I think I took her some chocolates. And then she was like, well, thanks, but I've, I'm on this, you know, diet now where I'm not... She was doing the whole thing where eating super healthy and not eating yeah. any dairy and all this stuff and full vegan and all this. She's like, well, I can't eat these. And I was like, I just didn't think of that. And I felt like a dickhead. But again, when you've known each other for 35 years, you're like, oh, fuck it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It'll probably be all right. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is during chemo as well, you get like, like your mouth goes really sore and your food doesn't taste very nice and you get loads of mouth ulcers and like you you kind of it's not a part of you wants to be really healthy because you know it's going to give the treatment the best chance to work Mm. but it's not just that it's also that you just don't enjoy food and drink in the same way Mm. as you did before yeah and now so as a journalist um can we talk about your wonderful column in the times because you're a journalist and your husband is a journalist as well so why was it important for you to share that i mean obviously the money's great (laughs) 
She did it for money. Um, I don't think she's even got cancer. <laughs> I've been listening to this podcast called Scamander, which is amazing. <laughs> like this woman in America who pretended she had cancer for like years. She's got like loads of money, and I'm like, let's get real, Rosamond. <laughs> We've brought you here. <laughs> Prove it. Oh my god. Josh Busted. Busted. You've got loads of hair. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ellen, you carry on. I was at, but her excellent column in So you documented, because I remember and, and obviously and you shared it so beautifully on social media, your hair loss and, and being very real about it. But also what was beautiful is that that Jonathan shared his experience because I think as Ellie said, and she's supporting Alice so beautifully as well it is it is a, it's not you, you can't have ba- cancer in a vacuum it's going to yeah. infect infect affect does not infect I had to empty my hoover the other day I'm pretty sure it's got cancer <laughs> Shit, shit in there is absolutely disgusting oh, wow. and definitely alive. Jesus. <laughs> Thank God you didn't infect your husband. It's very kind of you. <laughs> no touching. Um, yeah, so can you tell everyone about the um, about your column? And, yeah, and yeah. So it's, as you say, I am a freelance journalist mm. and as a weird a, a twist of fate, my diagnosis came in the week that I left my staff job. So I was deputy editor of Graxia, mm. handed in my notice during the pandemic to go freelance so that I could, you know... Great, no sick pay. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Woo! Oh, God. Jesus! <laughs> Literally, the week, I had like yes. two days of work left. And I remember texting my, my, my boss, Hattie, the editor yeah. at Graxia, texting her and I was like, so do you mind if I don't... Uh, not, it wasn't even coming in because obviously it was all on Zoom, pandemic. Yeah. I was like, do you mind if I don't do the last couple of days? I've just been diagnosed with cancer. She was like, fucking hell, what? Mm. Obviously, you don't come back to work. Are you yeah. okay? So they're very kind and very understanding. But I had left my job. So there was no sick pay. Ugh, and fuck. Um, I know. It wasn't the uh, shiny new freelance life that I was anticipating. No. So I have to say the column in the Sunday Time style was definitely... I was being paid for it, which yes. was uh, one of the main perks. Um, <laughs> unlike Jonathan, because he's on staff at the Sunday Times, he didn't, didn't get paid for oh, it. Oh, oh my. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jonathan. Um, but yeah, like you say, it was amazing to tell his side of it, because mm. when people talk about cancer, they talk about the person with cancer. And actually, he was going through, oh my God, this we've talked about how it was in the pandemic and it was homeschooling. He was doing all of that stuff and while also trying to find someone to look after the kids so he could drive me to chemo. And it like it was just a lot. Mm. And I I had like 15 people a day asking how I was. I was constantly, I was like mm. fending off texts from people asking how I was. Yeah. And he was just like getting on with it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it was really good to have his side of it. And we got so many emails and DMs and messages from people saying thank you so much for kind of saying the other side of it because whether it's a partner or a parent or a mm. child or a friend or whoever is the kind of main carer of the person with cancer yeah it's like they kind of they need support as well because you have done <laughs> sorry just to divert you have done um columns or an article with him before because i remember when you did the vasectomy <laughs> article sorry i'm just oh. gonna make it about your husband's a penis just for a minute <laughs> just a side side uh but but you, yeah, that was amazing, and that had a massive response. I remember, not the vasectomy, yes. but um, the, the article. I know, poor Jonathan. He had he had the snip, and then I got cancer with the medical menopause, so he needn't have bothered. Oh, oh. What a pointless snip. Oh, I was going to say, I hope he wasn't snippy about it. Hey. <laughs> 
So what was the vasectomy column about then? Was that just oh, wait, I mean, it was an article, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote uh, about... I actually didn't write it. That was just him. He wrote oh. about his vasectomy. Oh. About the experience of having it and why he was doing it. <laughs> He's a big advocate for the vasectomy. He's always telling his friends they should get it done. I mean, both of you have got amazing timing. Can we just say? <laughs> Maybe the cancer has. Maybe maybe it's a, it's another hilarious joke by our old friend Cancer. So yeah, so from the cut from the column was that something that inspired you to write the book then? And then and obviously you've gone on to do your fabulous sub stack. Well, well, well. Um so yeah, so how did that all come to come about? So it came about because my editor at HarperCollins, uh well she's my editor now, I didn't know her then, but she mm. emailed me out of the blue having just returned to work after a year off with breast cancer. Right. So she she had said, I obviously read loads of... She works in publishing, so she had read loads of books trying to find a book to help her while she was going through breast cancer treatment. Mm. And she was like, I didn't find the book that I wanted. Will you... And But I did like your columns. Yeah. Mm. So can we have a coffee? So, yes, um, please. So I went to go and meet her, and we sort of came up with the idea of this book because... So many of the breast cancer books out there are either kind of memoirs, mm-hmm. which are which are wonderful, but not as kind of useful and practical, yeah. or um, or quite sort of sciencey books written by doctors that mm. are, can be quite impenetrable. So since having breast cancer, I often get text messages from people like who I don't know, but who are kind of in the vicinity of my friends or mums at my kids' school who've been like, hope you don't mind, so-and-so gave me your number, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer, would you mind going for a coffee? And they just have loads of questions. Yeah, that and sounds it, exhausting. Yeah. I, I, I have it with the divorce. I, I get, do you, you friends, get the friends, same? Yeah, my friend has gone through it, how do you do mediation, how do you do all of that? Anyway. Yeah. I just yeah. get, how do I set up my child's PlayStation 5 so it can't... <laughs> We all have our cross to bear, We're all living a difficult life. Helen and I had to write books so that we could say, buy the fucking book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just do a tweet. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's that kind of thing of just somebody you know that's been through it who's just explaining it in a very matter-of-fact way that is not very convoluted or um, complicated, which is just the stuff you actually need to know. Mm. And we we sort of thought of it as a bit like one of those pregnancy books where it's like what to expect at each stage mm. and down to what to pack in your hospital bag. Mm. That's the whole... That, that, that was the ethos. Of but basically, you, you wrote a book to avoid having to have coffee with people you don't really know, <laughs> which is the sort of solution that I, as a clipboard person, also was embraced. I think that makes perfect sense. That's the short version. Yeah. <laughs> but now you're sort of... Uh, you're, you're cancer-free and... and um, it's sort of wonderful to see you. You obviously, you know, daily on social media and talking about your your sort of new life. What what I guess what has cancer given you, or what what? How do you see life now? Um, well, I would say on a on a some kind of psychological point of view, mm. it's def. Oh, it's it's so hard to say without sounding like a mega live love laugh cliche right. of. You know, every... Uh, well, you might not want to use my downstairs bathroom because you'll find that painted on some driftwood. <laughs> Next to the dream catcher. <laughs> of the sparkly toilet seat. <laughs> you were in a safe space, wasn't it? That's what saying. You were in a safe space. Go, go, go on your journey. Go on. <laughs> Manifest some more words or some shit. Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, it does give you a sense of um, the important things in life. It does yeah. make you sort of reassess your values, and it does help you feel like if you're 
uh, you know, as, as, as an activity that you might previously have thought of as kind of drudgery, like cooking dinner for the kids and getting them in the bath, it kind of helps you reframe it as this is not something that I have to do, it's something that I get to do because mm. I'm, I'm still here. I'm not dead, yeah. Not dead. I'm not dead, so I still get to do this and I still get to see these stupid little faces who, are, who won't shut up. Mm. How and, much um, did you or do you think about death like did, was it another thing you kind of sort of right well we'll park that over there because we'll just it's all yeah. gonna be all right or 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 did it i definitely parked it at the beginning and then at the end i think the big turning point for me was when um so i went to go and see a surgeon at the it wasn't my normal surgeon it's a different surgeon and right at the end and i was kind of waiting for that moment where they go that's it now like, it's done You've got the all clear. You're free to go. You completed the video game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I saw this surgeon who just... I guess she hadn't... It was someone that I hadn't seen before and she was kind of looking down my notes and she was a bit like, oh dear. And she was like, oh yeah, triple negative, lymph node involvement, not uh, multifocal, which meant more than one tumour in the breast. Uh, you didn't have a complete response to chemo. She was kind of listing all the bad things about my cancer. And then she was like, oh yeah, your risk of recurrence is... Um, it's comparatively high so you have to be extremely vigilant for signs of recurrence and I was like oh okay so what are I was so naive I was like oh so what would recurrence be would it be like a lump in the other breast and she was like no 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 if it's going to recur it will more likely be elsewhere in the body so most likely your brain lungs how do you check for a lump in your brain liver or um what's the other one bone blood bones yeah 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 a blood is another one yeah mm, I think those four are the most common mm. and um she said so the symptoms are kind of aches and pains like back pain shoulder pain headaches um that just sounds like being 45 i know if you if it's in your lungs you might have a bit of a cough and what? uh yeah and in your liver i, I was like what about symptoms for the liver and she was like mm, maybe fatigue fuck <laughs> So you just you just feel slightly anxious the whole time. My liver is constantly fatigued, but yeah. I've had too much whispering angel this summer. <laughs> oh. Exactly. So I basically walked out of there thinking, and this was the other thing she said because then I was like, okay, so if if it does reoccur, would right. I have to have chemo again to kind of treat it? And she was like, oh, well, if it if it does recur elsewhere in your body, it won't be treatable. You'll it would just be a case of managing it. Until you die, oh, Rosamond. Fuck me. Which is which is wow. With triple with like grade three triple negative breast cancer, that's it's kind of sooner rather than later. You're not going to be one of these people that lives for like 15 years with secondary cancer. It's going to be probably more like two years. So I was like, okay, so there's basically a 40 percent chance that I'll be dead in like the next five years, and I, that was the first time that I realised the kind of black and white reality of that because I had up until that point and this was right at the end of treatment so really Jesus. throughout the whole thing I'd really you'll be fine you'll like... be fine you'll be fine you're fine actually here's yeah. the actual so thing yeah you thought that was like... the end of the film and you're like oh no there's a I fucking like... sequel exactly <laughs> a really really dark sequel it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark because oh. like you know there are some dark bits but it's quite jaunty and then there's the fucking Temple of Doom <laughs> next and it's like, yeah. what did I sign up for whoa not this no so, um, yeah, that was when... And I think that, that coupled with all the menopause symptoms, which mm. also nobody had said to me, you're going to have early menopause. There was one of the side effects on the on the mega list of chemo side effects. Yeah. One of them was like, your periods might stop. But nobody had said, you know, you're, yeah, you're going to have... sweats and All the rage. things that come yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, the rage and like fear and anxiety and mood swings and all that stuff that comes with it as well. Mm. And... 
I was like, I think I'm actually going. I think I'm actually going mad. Like I had yeah, a. That was when I had like the meltdown. Mm. Fair enough. What was but, how did what was the meltdown? How did it manifest? Oh, it was so I started having panic attacks mm-hmm. for the first time in my life. I've always been, uh, as I said earlier, very uh, rationable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's your next book. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. But I just started having these weird meltdowns and just over really silly, insignificant things as well. But I think I was just so kind of scared and anxious all the time. And, um, yeah, it took me probably... It took a long time to, first of all, acknowledge that I needed help with that. And then I did get therapy, which is the first time in my life I've had therapy as well. I started embracing all of these things that I might previously have rolled my eyes at a little mm. bit. Mm. I was like, therapy, yes. Energy healing, sign me up. Yeah. Therapy, like, I'll do anything. Mm. And um, and also, it's it launched this big kind of health kick. But, I mean, I kind of thought of myself as a healthy person. As you know, I'm a mindful drinker. Mm-hmm. And, um, three oh, by really? three. Oh. <laughs> three by three. And I, I eat pretty healthily. I didn't do any exercise, though. I didn't mm. do any. I just didn't think I needed to. And, um, which sounds silly, obviously. Everyone knows exercise is good for you. But mm. I, I kind of thought, if you're not overweight or you're not, or you don't feel unfit, yeah. then you don't really need to. And I just felt like a healthy person. Um, And then it was only really when I was researching for the book that I came across this research. This research makes it sound like it's one study. It's hundreds of studies with hundreds of thousands of women, breast cancer, um, for women after breast cancer. Exercise reduces your risk of recurrence by half. Wow. It's crazy. Fucking hell. It's cut 40% to 20% in your case then. I don't know. I'm not good at maths. Yeah, (laughs) probably. (laughs) It's a good thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So some of the research says it reduces it by 30 to 40%. One study said it reduces it by 60%. So basically it reduces it by a lot. So it's really, really important. And um, yeah, I've got into exercise. And I would say that has been quite a big change because that has also been very good for my mental health as well yeah. the old mental health it, it helps with that I feel like the let f- me guess cold water swimming <laughs> come on you're a woman in her 40s <laughs> if you if you had to think of a person that would do cold water swimming you would probably say me right after everything excuse me I've got coffee <coughs> yeah go sorry oh gosh you've got cancer <laughs> Cold water swimming, it's just not my bag. No. I, I can't do no. it. No. They, they lost me at the word cold, Rosamond. I don't like being cold. I don't like having reeds go past my leg. I don't like being anywhere that's... I just don't like... I just don't like it. And interestingly, my book editor is very, very into it. Of course she is. And when I filed the first draft of the book, she was like, I think cold water swimming is a massive omission. It's <laughs> it's really, really important because it it's... There are all these... I mean, people is... don't talk enough about it. Mind. No, no. <laughs> there is there is all this research about how it's good for your immunity and anything that's good for your immunity reduces yeah. your risk of cancer recurrence. Like it is, yeah. There is the evidence is there, so I did include it in the end, but I included it as an example of the fact that not everything is for everyone because that is yeah. not for me. Um, how are you feeling now? So I feel a lot better now, significantly better. I had. So after my after my disgust meltdown, um, I did I had therapy. I've got into doing exercise, and the process of writing the book 
was incredibly cathartic and also it just felt really practical and hopeful Mm. and kind of optimistic and galvanizing because I interviewed all these experts about things that you can do to reduce your risk of recurrence Mm. and reduce your risk of getting cancer in the first place that's kind of the whole second half of the book is about future proofing your life really and um and there is so much you can do I mean nobody can ever say that you've um taken away all of your risk of cancer because the causes of cancer are just too very yeah. there are too many of them and they're too nobody understands them all fully so you could do everything perfectly and still get cancer yeah but there is a lot you can do to reduce your risk so i feel like doing all those things you know doing the strength training and yep. drinking less alcohol and eating the veg and uh you know getting a good night's sleep, avoiding the cold water swimming. it's <laughs> <laughs> really bad for you. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they're, they're helping me feel like I'm doing something that's reducing my risk of recurrence and also just making me feel better. Mm, just, you know, it just Im- improves your mood overall. Oh, so your book is called Reconstruction? <laughs> yes, it's, it's for anybody going through it, their friends and loved ones and supporters. I think it will help anyone. And actually, the second half of it that's about future-proofing your body is kind of for anyone, really. Mm-hmm. Anyone who doesn't want to get cancer. And to be honest, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm not sure anyone does, do they? Do they? <laughs> no. There's, there's weirdos out there, isn't there? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lid for every pot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. no, but that's... That, it is, it's a beautifully written book, obviously. Um, and um, I, I'm just going to have it on the shelf. It's just, you know... it's what, one of those you get cancer? <laughs> well, just, it's just, you know... It's just a really great book to dip in, in and out of. And, yeah. you know, and, and all those sort of things. I just think it's, yeah, it's brilliant. So yeah. congratulations. Is it much about smoking? in your book Rosamond how good is that for cancer so when, in terms of breast cancer <laughs> yeah. smoking I don't is smoke it's right? <laughs> <laughs> quite a niche thing I mean also smoking causes cancer I yeah, feel like it does doesn't it not, yeah. uh, it's, oh. not, it's not new news no. I, I can know this <laughs> <laughs> really I'm going to write a book called How to Smoke Less I'm just going to have three cigarettes three times a mindful smoking mindful smoking exactly there's a niche for that I am going to give out one day that makes me happy, <laughs> and that and, and reduces my stress. So serial killers get, get joy from murdering people. That doesn't mean it's a good idea. <laughs> what a lovely analogy. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So both involve death. O- obviously, ultimately. really agree on this one, Rosamond. Sorry, you're yeah. in the middle. Oh, sorry for <laughs> sorry to drag you the marital not problem. wanting you to die or to have to go to the fucking hospital. I know it, it comes from love. I know it comes from love. <laughs> Oh, anyway, <laughs> so yes, reconstruction is great, and also highly recommend uh, Rosamond's other book, Mindful Drinking, which I've read about three times actually, uh, and it's brilliant. So yes, uh, as I, as I banged on about on my own podcast, I like I like to drink less sometimes. Oh well, there we go. Uh, now, uh, do we have a scummy mummy confession to end mm. with? I was going to. I, I, my scummy mummy confession is on on Saturday night. I had a very nice time with you, Ellie Gibson. We we really oh, had a lovely time. We very rarely get to hang out just because you know. Often it's when we're on tour or doing work or whatever. So we um we, we went back to my place and it was my street party. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you make it sound like your street threw a party for you. Cause you're, <laughs> you're back oh, from the tour. the scummy mummies are finally. It's here. the Helen Thorne Street Party. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, like the combination. As, as always, I, I did very little to help. I bought some sausages and other people cooked them and then I arrived and everyone was pissed and lovely anyway so but I I, I had um I had some edible um weed which was lovely like in a gummy so I was quite high and then I was drinking 
was drinking. I was just feeling the love. I was having a really nice time. I was by myself. No children were around. Anyway, I ended the night and you guys came back and, you know, ordering your Uber. And I thought, I know what, I'll have a Bailey's. Mm-mm. I don't know how long it, it was dusty. Who knows? Who knows? This is after me and Pete left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a warm Bailey's on a warm night after oh. drinking. I thought, that's a lovely little nightcap after, you know, having, <laughs> having some weed and... and I do yeah. think every bottle of the Baileys is dusty. Yeah. yeah. I think it it's compulsory. They're made like that in the factory. Yeah. 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 come out. Anyway, <laughs> I, I went to bed going, oh, I'm just all loved up. I'm really happy. And, and the other day, I just said to Ellie, you know, I haven't spewed in ages. I oh, haven't. Oh, babe. And then I just got the sweats. I got, you know, when you start salivating, and I was like, damn it! And then I was just did a very... Creamy uh, Bailey's infused. Oh, Bailey's, oh. Bailey's whitey. That's yeah. a nightmare. That's a nightmare. So there's my healthy living for you, uh, oh. everyone. But yeah, I, I had a spew. I'm sorry. Uh, and then the next time I was just a bit sweaty and I went to Blair um, with, with my boyfriend and a couple of his friends and we were all sitting together and they were all Spanish. So they were, they were speaking Spanish. He said, oh, do you want to sit here? Um, can you move? Because I, you know, so I can sit next to you. So I talk to you. Um, but I said, I can't. You can't sit in my seat. I'm so hot and sweaty. I've sweated like a little pool of sweat at the Blur concert. Nobody needs to sit in my seat. Woo! <laughs> <Baby>. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's my double confession. Oh, I'm a life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Girls who like boys who like girls who, who like sweat. sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate. Yeah. Oh. Right. No, we did oh, have wow. a lovely time. My, my confession is related to Saturday night, actually. We did have a lovely time at your yeah. street party. And I said to Pete the next day, I was I was, I was, was also feeling up, and I said to him, and I hadn't had a gummy, but I was also feeling up. I was like, you know, it's like, because what we have as a double act, it is like a marriage in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. We hardly ever have sex, you know. Yeah, it's um, but it is like a marriage in a lot of ways yeah. and you sometimes need a date night you yeah, need yeah, an activity yeah. together where you do a nice thing that isn't to do with the kids or in our case yeah. work or the business and yeah, yeah so we'd had a great time um, such a great time that that night Pete and I came home and uh, had a little bit of grown up time rumpy pumpy yeah. and then the <laughs> next morning pumpy. Sunday morning we had fucking swimming lessons at half nine oh, but yeah, we yeah. made it to, in the rain we made it to swimming and you know you have to sit there by the top side of the pool and I turned and looked at him and his face was covered in gold glitter <laughs> <laughs> because I hadn't taken my, my show makeup off yes. before we'd had the rumpy pumpy <laughs> And he'd obviously revoltingly not washed properly. So he was sitting in the swimming pool at nine in the morning. Shining bright like a diamond. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, oh. my God. So, yes, it was an adventure. Oh, Rosamond, wow. I mean, we've you weren't at the bar high. Saturday night. But do you, have a, do you have a scummy confession to share with us? Uh, probably my confession is probably about lying to my children. Oh. But it's funny when we were talking about telling them about the cancer. And I was like, you have to be honest. It's really important to be honest all the time. On a day-to-day basis, I lie to my children all the time. And uh, it's funny when you mentioned swimming then. My daughter's swimming this week. <laughs> We've gotten a bad habit of saying this. I mean, she's like, on a Saturday morning, time for swimming. And we go, oh, yeah, it's cancelled you know, cancel this week. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry it's been ca- it's been, swimming's been cancelled again. <laughs> Because so, he can't be fucked to go. And, uh, Fair enough, mate. And I, I also got into this habit of whenever Jonathan goes out, the kids have still got grow clocks. Oh, you know, yeah, they, yeah, you know yeah, those yeah, ones that yeah, light up still in, little, the, yeah, yeah. in the mornings. And uh, and what I do when Jonathan goes out is I put them both forward by an hour. Oh, and I, yeah. I, so they think it's like 8pm when it's actually 7 
Well, they didn't get 7.30, it was actually 6.30. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, bedtime. And uh, I've, I've been doing this for years, since they were very little. <laughs> and now, obviously, my son is nearly nine. <laughs> and the other night, he was, he was in the bath, and I was like, okay, time to go out of the bath, come on, it's after seven already. And he was like, how can it be when we were having dinner? Dinner downstairs a minute ago, it was six. How can it be after oh, seven? No. Oh, like, damn it. Rumble. Foiled. He's learned to tell the time. Not on my watch. Oh. Somebody has taught him how to tell the time. No. And no. now I can't do my job. Well, obviously, I was like, well, I think t- time flies. Time flies. Oh. I'm sure we had a confession at the, at the show once where they used to, it was bedtime when the archers came in the radio yeah. so they recorded this is in the 80s they recorded the Archer's theme tune and then just played it oh, wow. off you fuck Pavlov's dog yeah, yeah no oh, yeah. bedtime oh the fucking grow clock my kids are 12 and 9 and I was like sorting out their room the other day so I unplugged the grow clock right we sent that to a charity shop or whatever and they were bereft they were like no and I was like oh. you're fucking 12 I look, look at the time you're practically vaping why do you need a grow clock <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> it's got to go so I said oh I'll just put it away for a bit I'll give it another six months instead of forgotten about it yeah, yeah. And pop it, it down in the cupboard of doom oh, oh excellent well it's the end of the podcast isn't it thank you so much for coming on again Ros we're oh. happy to see you thank you so much um, for having me we haven't talked about well 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 uh, just yes. quickly, quickly give that a, a marvellous plug because it is excellent oh thank you so yeah well 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 it's my newsletter on Substack that I started it's not about cancer but it's basically about how to live well for as long as possible. Mm. So it's it's all the things that I learned while writing the book about how to reduce your risk of recurrence and to reduce your risk of getting cancer in the first place and also how to be healthy in lots of other ways. So we've obviously talked about drinking, we've talked about bones, talked about strength training, uh, talked about sleep. I feel like there are lots more menopause, talked about everything. So it's every every week. Well, and well, well. lovely recommendations for books and things to watch. Yes. And just the whole, the whole shaboo. Oh, well, that is that is it. Um, yes, we're on tour like we always are. So go to scummymummies.com. Cambridge, Bath, Henley-on-Thames. Mm. A lovely a lovely place to go. Leamington Spa. Please come to Leamington and Spa. Corby. And Corby. And Corby. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for coming on again, Rosamond. Lovely to have you. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye. She, what she wanted, and what I also wanted, was a book that was kind of warm and relatable and written just by... Sorry, we're in South East London. (laughs) Do you mind? We're trying to have a conversation about cancer. (laughs) Fuck's sake, park your van somewhere else, you prick. (laughs) Hope you don't get it. (laughs) Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.